Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Come on, let a praise arise to the one who is able, the one who is worthy. Hallelujah. How many know he's a God who doesn't leave things the way he found them? Amen. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead in my transgressions, but Jesus gave me life. Come on, one more time. Lift up the one who gives us life today. Hallelujah. So good to see you this morning. Welcome to church. We hope you know you belong here. We are in week three of a series simply called that where you belong. And would you look with me in Genesis chapter four as we jump into the word today. And the whole premise of this where you belong is discovering and taking place or taking hold of of our place in time. We were created for such a time as this. God created you on purpose, for purpose. And that purpose is of course to know him. And today I wanna look at our responsibility. The responsibility that we have as we've already heard today, just in just a, a word of encouragement, a word from the Lord of, of just that surrender that we give our ourselves to Him. I want to read in Genesis chapter 4 this morning, and here's starting in verse 1. It says this, And Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When they gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I produced a man. Later she gave birth to his brother, named him Abel, when they grew up, somebody say, grew up. Actually, just tell your neighbor, Tate, it's time to grow up. I don't know why, it's just kind of fun to say that. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. Notice that, Abel was a shepherd, Cain worked the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion. The Lord did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Somebody say, watch out. I want you to hear this this morning. There's a word of just responsibility and encouragement. The Lord says, watch out. And this is what I want to focus on. He says, watch out. He says the reason, of course, to watch out is because sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it and master it. I want to share for the next couple minutes from a title, simply this, Master It. That we would become masters of the things that seek to master us. Father, I pray today, give us victory. God, I thank you for your word. We already have this victory in Jesus. Now, God, I pray that we would walk in the victory that you've given us. That we would know who we are in Christ. That we would be where we belong in this relationship with you. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for the power of Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And God, because of that power, we will master the very thing that the enemy tries to bring against us. That we will be victorious in Jesus' name. If this is your testimony today, would you say amen? Amen, amen. You, this morning, before you're seated, just welcome somebody to church today. And as you shake their hand strong, tell them, master it. Master it. So glad you've joined us. 
By your spirit, I will rise. So glad you're here today. Always a joy and a privilege to see you in church. Where you belong. This is where you belong today. Thank you, Michael. And uh, so good to, to be a, in place of just, I know God's presence is here, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do by the time we leave here. How many know you're not going to leave the same way you came in? How many are determined this morning that you're not going to leave the same way that you came in? The choice is yours. Look at your neighbor today. Tell him the choice is yours. Where you belong. We've been in this series called Where You Belong, and where you belong is more than just where you live, what school you go to, who you marry, where, what career you have. All of those things are byproducts of the most important thing. But where you belong is not what you do. Where you belong is who you are. It's more about the heart. It's the heart of the matter. Jesus said these words that where your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And there's the connection between the treasure and the heart. The treasure is how we spend our time, our money, our resources, our future. The things that are valuable to us. And Jesus, of course, is making the connection that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And how many know that if that's where your heart is, then the same is the, the, the reverse. That where your heart is, is where your treasures will be. And so you've been here today, you're here this morning because you value that it's important to spend your time in the presence of God. Thanks for making this a value, a place of of importance, that where your heart is, your treasure will follow also. God is more concerned of of the heart and and the condition of where we are. It's really a heart matter. If we're going to be where God wants us to be, it all depends where our heart is. But the condition that stands in the way of our hearts allowing us to be where we belong is an age-old condition that has plagued man and individuals for all of eternity, or or not from all eternity, but from the beginning of man's creation, and that is this, the heart condition is sin. Sin has always been this separation of keeping us from where we're supposed to be, separating us from the purpose that God has for us. From the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat of. They sinned, and the moment sin entered the world, how many know they left the place where they belonged? They belonged in the place of God's presence. He created the garden for them. He created a place to engage, to interact, to have relationship with them. But sin entered the world. How many know that sin was their choosing? Sin was their decision, what they chose and what they brought on. Sin was their fault. But God in his mercy made it possible to give a hope and redemption even though sin is our fault. Sin enters the world to separate us from the purpose that God has for our lives. That God has created a garden and a place for us, but sin separates us. But thanks be to Jesus, he's given us a hope and an opportunity to overcome that very thing that seeks to separate us. The best way to describe sin is just this, missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark, and and when we miss the mark with God, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Every single one of us have sinned. I want to set two facts on the the stage here today. I want you to see two things that are so crucial and important. Number one is this, every single person has missed the mark. Raise your hand if you have ever missed the mark and fallen short of God's glory. I'm glad you raised your hand. This is a condition that plagues each and every one of us. Let me give you the other thing, though, that's important when it comes to sin. Number one, we all have sinned. Number two, we can do something about it. We can do something about it. We can master the very thing that seeks 
to master us. I I want you to hear this morning, I'm coming for every person who has ever said, I can't help it. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way it is. It is what it is. That's just how it is. I'm speaking today to say to you, you have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and in his word to live to the purpose that he's called you to live. That you can live. Listen what Genesis 4, 7. We read this text. It says sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and master it. Did you catch that today? Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. I want to ask you today, and and of course he says you must master it. Let me ask you, what is is at at the door? What is crouching at your door today, trying to keep you separated from where you belong? There's something at the door. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a lie. It's a secret. There's something that is crouching at the door that it begins so seemingly innocent. It seems like no big deal, but in time, it grows up, and it becomes the very thing that attacks you. That thing that seemed innocent at one time has now become the beast that is controlling you. It's on your back, and it's hard to get away. It's hard to overcome. It controls your thoughts. It controls your joy, your peace, your future. I want you to hear me today that you can master it, and you must master it in Jesus' name. He's given us the ability to overcome. Listen to what he says in Hebrews 12.1. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let me say, these are the crowd of witnesses, which means they've gone before us. They are the examples. If God gave them victory in the past, how many know he can give us victory in our present? There are those who have gone before. He says, because of these witnesses, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. What I want to say to you today is sin is your decision, and you have the decision today to throw off the sin that holds you and overwhelms you. What's interesting to me is that sin is crouching at the door, and the word word that the Lord gave to Cain, he said, sin seeks to master you or seeks to control you do you know that the very thing God created you and I to do is what sin wants to do to us sin seeks to control you but in Genesis 1 27 God created man and he said to them to have dominion over the earth God created you and I to rule God created you and I to be in control God created you and I to have dominion over all the earth. What's Satan's plan to keep us from the purpose that God has? To use sin, our own desire, our own ways for sin to come in and sin to overcome us. Listen, some of us are not walking in the things that God has for us because the very thing that was crouching at our door has now attacked us and is now controlling us. But I want you to hear today, you can master that thing that the enemy's been putting at your door trying to control you and overwhelm you. Maybe it was a habit that started in your teenage years. Maybe it was a thought that was connected to something that was done in your past. God wants to give you victory and by the promise of God's word, how many believe that we can master the very thing that seeks to master us? This is the hope that we have. We have this authority and this power in Jesus' name. I want to share with you today some keys to mastering it. If we're going to master this this condition, what is it that's crouching at the door? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what condition, I don't know what mindset, I don't know what what way of thinking, what habit, something that has existed in a period of time. But I want to encourage you today. Here's number one. If we're going to master it, number one, we need to eliminate the excuses. There comes a moment in life where we've got to quit excusing the very thing. You and I have a responsibility in the process. There's a responsibility in our process. I, I find it interesting that there are two 
two things that come to mind when Jesus is, re- is talking about a generation in the last day. He refers to a people, and there's two phrases that he uses, and it really speaks that people in the last day will be marked by two things, laziness and offense. Jesus uses this word that in the last days that they will be a faithless and, we- and wicked generation, that they're a faithless generation. Notice that it, the Bible says that without faith, or it says that in order to have faith, that in order for faith to be alive, it's faith with works because faith without works is dead. So if you're faithless, it probably means you're not working. It means you're lazy. And the other thing Jesus says in the last days that they'll hate one another. That's called offense. How many know we probably live in a generation that's the laziest and the most offended? We don't want to take responsibility for anything. It's someone else's fault. We, we, we become unwilling sometimes to own the responsibility of what is ours. What I want to say to you today is responsibility is not condemnation. Responsibility is empowerment. God has empowered us by the gospel. He's empowered us with the good news. We have the power of God at work in us that we've got to overcome. And if you notice that laziness and offense, that Jesus describes a generation in that, in that day, that, that laziness and offense is really a matter of the heart and it's something that we have to deal with because if we don't, those attitudes will grow up and attack us. I want you to hear this this morning. This is a strong statement. Many, I didn't say all, many. Many of the personal attacks today are the results of uncontrolled attitudes and actions of yesterday. Many of the personal attacks we struggle with today are the results of uncontrolled attitudes or actions of yesterday. The struggles that hit us so close to home, it's oftentimes the, ma- the, 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 the maturity, the maturation of the stuff that we ignored or excused. That there are things that we gave excuse for and we let go. And how many know that there's thoughts sometimes that we let go and if we let those thoughts go, it crouches at the door and over time it grows and now that thing that was sitting small at the door is now a beast. It's overcoming and controlling our thoughts, our mind, the way, that we, the way that we think, the excuses that we give. Every single one of us have fallen short of God's glory. We've already said that. There's not one person in this room that's perfect. You know why we know that? Because oftentimes when we say to somebody, I know I'm not perfect, but what we're saying is we know that there's, not, there, there's a standard that is beyond our ability to meet. And so we recognize that. We know that we're not perfect. And in that struggle, oftentimes What are the excuses that we allow? I know I'm not perfect. And then we give excuses for why we remain. And and I want to say to us today, I know maybe you didn't have the best of examples in in your childhood. Maybe your parents weren't the best of examples, but your parents don't have all the control over you. You have control. There's things that have been in your past. I know the peer pressure may have been strong. It was heavy against you. But you've got to own the reason you are where you are is because of the decisions that you've made in life. We can't cast blame to anyone else. You are where you are. Your mind is where it is because you let your mind run on thoughts that you should have controlled at another point in time. Now, this is not condemnation. Immediately, I know in saying this, there's this sense of, then what hope do we have? They even said that to Jesus. Then who can be saved? If it's impossible for a rich man to be saved, he'd have to go through the eye of a needle. Who can even be saved? Jesus said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And the hope that we have is because of Jesus Christ. The gospel is up here. And how many know we've all fallen short of the gospel? But what we tend to do is we become offended because the gospel's way up here and we feel like it's looking down on us. The gospel is not looking down on you. The gospel is giving you a place to look up. How many know if you don't have anything to look up to, you have no hope? 
and we downgrade, we tear down the standards and the things of God. Notice what Cain does. God addresses Cain and says, Cain, there's a condition in your heart. And Cain has a choice to make. And what does Cain do? Well, I don't want to deal with my heart, so I'm going to go take the standard out. I'm going to go get rid of Abel. Because if I can tear down the standard, it'll make me feel better about where I am. I want to create the condition that justifies. So what do we do? I don't like the standard up here. You know, they're judgmental people. You know, they're hypocrites. You know, they're stand- you know they don't love. They don't have grace. They don't love. Yes, the gospel is up here. How many know the gospel? And the Bible says that the, that the gospel is offensive. The gospel will offend you. There's a difference between being offended and condemned. The enemy wants you to think the gospel is condemning you. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn you. So when the gospel is up here and you've fallen short, guess what? Welcome to humanity. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And it's not God looking down his nose at us. It's not God looking down at us. It's God saying, I'm giving you a hope that you can look up to. Notice, it's not God just looking down. He's saying to you, you have something to look up to. And if you don't have a hope to look up to, how many know we're pathetic, pitiful, worthless people who have nothing to look forward to in life if we don't have a hope? And Jesus is giving us a hope, and it's the standard. And I want to encourage us today, eliminate the excuses that keep you from running hard after God. What are the excuses that, that, we've, that we've allowed? Cain, quit blaming Abel for your condition. And instead of dealing with this heart issue, he took out the standard. Let me just give you a thought here. When you, tear, when you tear down where someone else is, it likely means that you're only trying to excuse where you are. When you tear down where someone else is, it's usually just giving you permission to excuse where you are. Don't you think we'd go a lot further in life if we quit looking at other people and start looking at Jesus? Quit looking to the left or to the right. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Let that be the the perspective of what we're running after. If we're going to master the sin that's crouching at the door, you've got to eliminate the excuses. Where are the excuses? You've got to call those things out. You've got to own. I almost called this message, own it. Some of us need to own the decisions we've made in our youth. And they followed us. Does that mean there's no hope, there's no grace? No, it means this, that we need to depend on God because we are where we are because of the choices that we have made. And we've got to quit blaming culture and society and surroundings and things. Yes, those things contribute. Those things are contributions, but they don't have to be controllers. There are things that contribute. I, I talk with, with either couples or, or, or relational tensions. There are moments that things have contributed. There, there are people who have contributed dysfunction in your life, but those are contributors, not controllers. And you let them control. That's your fault. Yes, they've contributed to your struggle. Yes, they've contributed to where you are, but they don't have to be the controllers. And if they are, it's because you put them in that seat. It's your decision. It's how you respond. It's what you do. You have control over your thoughts. You have control over your actions. You have control of how you respond to everything that goes on in your life. You are in control. So by God's grace, let's master the very thing that seeks to master us. That we can have this hope. Quit making excuses. I love you. Quit making excuses. If we're going to master the things that God has, here's number two. If we're going to master this, this, the very thing that tries to control us, number two, we've got to elevate above enough. Masters of anything are not usually people who do enough to get by. 
If you're a master of something, it's not usually because you just did enough to get by. There is an effort and a commitment. I don't know if you've seen this new TV show called Lego Masters. I haven't seen it, but I've seen some of the previews. And this is some of the stuff that they make. This is not what I made when I played with Legos. (laughs) Nothing I made looked like this. So what's the difference between Lego me and Lego Masters? Some would say it's their ability. And you're right, there's a level of ability, but greater than ability is attitude. What makes a master is an attitude. The attitude is determination. There's a determination. You never have the ability before you first have the determination. There's always an interest and a drive that leads you to the place that you are. If you're good at something, if you master something, there becomes an interest and a drive that pushes you in that direction. And this this idea of determination literally means this. It means the act of making a decision or fixing on a purpose. I wonder today, have you made a decision that you're not letting that thing control you anymore? You've got to make a decision that this is it. This is the moment. I'm not letting that thought. I'm not letting that past. I'm not letting that, that habit, that sin, that thing that comes against me. I'm making a decision that this is the end of the road for that thing that's crouching at the door trying to control me. There has to be this determination. Notice again, this fixing, being fixed on a purpose. I want to take us back to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Since we're surrounded by such a crowd of witnesses... Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. How many have sin? You got to. How many have had to go through life? You've had sin. You had to throw off. How many are still throwing off stuff? I'm not showing you how to raise your hand. I'm telling you. Someone in the room is like, "Oh, we need another pastor. He's got." I'm telling you, there's things that are that the enemy wants to control me with, but by God's grace, I'm throwing it off. It's not going to control me. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I am where I belong. He says, throw off what easily trips us up. Let us run the race that God has set before us. I love to ask a question here. Well, how do you do that? Great question. Verse 2, we do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who initiates and perfects our faith, the author and the finish of our faith. How do you do this? How do you overcome? How do you keep pressing? How do you keep moving when you feel like giving up? How do you keep going? How do you overcome the thing that's at the door trying to overtake you? You determine your eyes will be fixed on Jesus and your eyes aren't taken off of him because his eyes are always above you. It doesn't matter how big the mountain is. He's higher than the mountain. It doesn't matter how high the crap crap flies and goes. And I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> Bringing it back a little bit, I don't think, where's that going to go? <laughs> Jesus is bigger than the crap pile. <laughs> I'm just giving you practice for that whole thing of lazy and offended. Just <laughs> All right. Your attitude represents or the fruit of your offering represents your heart because the way the heart the condition of your heart is the attitude that you carry you are in control of your attitude quit giving people control quit giving circumstances control you're in control the fruit of your offering represents your heart notice Cain brought some crops and Abel brought the best of the firstborn Cain brought some crops and Abel brought the best how many know there's a difference between some crops and the best? There's, there's an elevation above enough. That there's this determination. And, and it speaks to the attitude of the heart. 
Cain's attitude was, ah, just enough to get by. Cain's attitude was, that'll work. But the attitude that Abel had was, I'm going to give you the first. You know what's interesting about that? Abel gave the first before Moses ever made it a law to give the first. That was in his heart long before it was a law. You know why? Because laws don't create good people. Laws don't change hearts. Only the presence of God. Notice what that does. The presence of God was enough to cause Abel to do what should have been done and was God's will and desire. You know why? Because when you seek God, He'll give you your heart's desire. That when you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. You don't need anything else but a love for Jesus to set your heart in the right direction. To set your future in the right place. It's that desire, that love for Him. Notice what 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking about giving. He says, each of you must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. How many know cheerfulness is an attitude of the heart? God cares more about your heart than He does your offering. God cares about the condition of your heart. God doesn't need your offering. God doesn't need, if you don't have a good attitude, don't, well, okay, give your money, that's fine, but you're not getting a blessing. I mean, if you want to give it, give it, we'll take it. We got plans, we'll take it. But I'm telling you, it'd be a lot better for you if you had a better heart about it. There's a cheerfulness, guard your heart. How's the attitude of your heart? And how the worship team's going to come, and I want to give you this last one. And Just talking about the attitude of your heart. That really is a reflection of your identity of where you're coming from. Do you know your identity? If we were to talk about where you belong, where you belong is your identity founded and firmly fixed in Jesus. Your identity is, is really speaks to what you focus on. Many people put their identity in, in their job, their career, their stuff they do. What, what's your identity? Your identity is often found by what you talk about. It's what you talk about. It's the things that come up in your conversation. It's, it's how you spend your time, how you spend your resources. It's, it's your identity. And um, I, I want to, here's the last thing I want to say to us. If we're going to master the thing that tries to master us, it's we need to establish the evidence. And here's the evidence. Is the evidence is speaking to what's the intent of our heart. What is it that we're desiring? If you are wanting to be known as a kind and generous person, how many know it probably would be worthwhile for you to do kind and generous things? You don't get a reputation for something you've never done. You have a reputation because there's evidence of what you've done. Your reputation is the acknowledgement of the evidence in your life. And there's this evidence. I want you to see what Abel's evidence is. And, and here's the evidence in, in Hebrews 11.4. It's in this we call the faith chapter, the hall of faith. And Abel made the list. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval of his gifts. The gift that he gave showed, gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And, and what I, what I want to speak to us today is, is if we're going to master the thing that masters us, there, there has to be an intention of the heart and really speaking to the evidence of what's taking place. I want, I want to point out some specific things. Number one, God accepted the offering because of the man, not the man because of the offering. God accepted the offering because of the man, not the man because of the offering. What does that matter? 
you don't need to earn your way into heaven. God is not saying, let me see your offering, then I'll see if I, if I want you. God is saying, no, I'll only take the offering if your heart is in the right place. I'll only receive and accept. Why, why is that so important? Because God cares more about your heart than he does anything else. I know where you belong in life. You can get bogged down with, you know, the questions of, of if you're young, where do, who, what school do I go to? Who, who, who do I marry? Where do I live? What decisions? How many know life can have a lot of decisions? Can I tell you and take the weight off of you today? Quit worrying about those decisions. Just make this one right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else. I know it matters where, where you go, what you do. All of that matters. I mean, I believe God called me here to Uniontown. But there was a time when Jody and I, back before we went to college, or right after we got to college, there was another church that we almost went to. We almost went to a different church back in 1999. Do you know looking back, that would change the entire direction of our lives right now. But you know what I believe? God would have blessed us at that other church. God would have done, and looking back, it's like, well, God knows what he's absolutely, but here's what I know. God doesn't care so much about where you are here as much as where you are here. We oftentimes try to figure out what to do in life, and here's the problem, is that you can never know what to do in life until you know the one who is life. It's kind of difficult to figure out the what without the who. If you don't know who, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so I want to speak this where you belong. And we've got little questions. God, how do you want us to reach Fayette County? What do you want us to do? How, how do where do we build? What do we do? How, how many know there's a lot of questions in the growing process and what you do? And, and i got to be honest with you, the questions overwhelm me sometimes. Like, oh, God. And the Holy Spirit reminds me, guard your heart. I'll guard your steps. If you put your heart in the right direction, I know how to take you where you need to go. And so this is my job. Where I belong is in the presence of God, knowing Jesus, loving Jesus with all my heart. When we build a building out there and how we grow and what we do, that's all up to God. All I know is as for me in this house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to submit ourselves to God. We're going to take control over the thing that tries to control us. Because you have an evidence in your life and the evidence points to the story that you're telling. And you've got to establish, here's what's interesting to me. Cain and Abel brought two different offerings. Cain brings an offering from the ground. He brought some crops. Abel brought his first lamb. Before Moses even said you need to do that. I want to take you back to Adam and Eve. Some of us aren't mastering the thing that wants to master us because we keep pointing to the evidence of our pain rather than the evidence of our promise. We point more to the evidence of why we hurt and what happened and what's wrong. Notice, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were moved from the garden where they belong. And God said, the ground is now cursed and you will now have to work the ground and the ground is gonna be hard and you're gonna have to sweat to get food because the ground is cursed. And then in the process, of course, they knew they were naked. They tried to cover themselves. And the Bible says that God covered them or clothed them with animal skins. We don't know of any other sacrifice in, in, the, uh, in, in Genesis or early part there except for that. sacrifice. This was before Abraham had the covenant with God. This is before any of this. 
and God, of course, covered them with animal skins. How many know the only way they got covered by animal skins is probably because something had to die? How many know that sin requires something to die? And Jesus came into our brokenness and said, I'll die on your behalf. Notice the offerings that were brought. Cain brought offerings from the ground. You know what that tells me? Every time he worked, he cursed the ground because he said, this ground. And he was so focused on the curse that all he ever looked at was, I can't believe this isn't fair. My parents did this. Now I got to suffer because my parents did this. And now God wants an offering. I got to go bring God an offering. Ah, this. And he's got a bad attitude all because he's looking at the ground. But what does Abel do? Abel says, I'm going to give God the first fruit. I'm going to give God the first lamb. I wonder, and I just want to say to someone today, you can break and overcome what's trying to master you when you quit looking at the curse and start looking at the promise. Instead of digging up the dirt, start lifting up the lamb. Instead of digging up the problem, start lifting up the promise of who Jesus is. Your offering makes all the difference. Sometimes we're coming into church, God, I need you to heal me. And all we're doing is we're not worshiping the healer. We're worshiping because we want to try and outrun our problem. How often is our problem more our view than our promise? How often are we driven to the presence of God because of our problem? Am I saying that's wrong? It's not wrong to be driven, but it's wrong to be sustained because it will never sustain you. The only thing that will sustain you is knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're here today because you have dysfunction in your life, welcome to humanity. We all do. I'm a messed up person. There are thoughts I've got to get control over. There's attitudes that rise up that I've got to say, no, I'm not going to give room for that. It's crouching at the door. I've got to, I've got to stop that thing before it turns into a beast and overwhelms. This is what we do. And guess what? We do it because we have the power and the authority of Jesus' name. So I want to say to you today, master it. Maybe for you, instead of digging up the dirt of your past and excusing why you feel the way you do and have what you have, what you're going through, instead of digging up your past, instead of digging up the dirt, start lifting up a lamb. Start lifting up a lamb. How many know that when we lift our eyes to Jesus, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, how do we do this? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to say to someone today, it's time to rise out of the ashes. It's time to rise out of the dirt. It's time to rise out of the dysfunction of where you've been and lift your eyes to the one who says, I've got a place where...